Yeah, I had a, I was feeling like maybe the finals were starting to kind of weigh in down on people and that confirmed it there for sure. So uh, let's, I want to encourage you though to, to give, uh, your, give me your full attention, not because I deserve it, but because we're going to be looking at some stuff from God's Word that really is applicable for us no matter where we're at. And, um, you know, it's not a final, so you can like even like say, oh, that's good, or mm, I like that, or just, you know, talk back to me. That, let's get some, some energy going here. I mean, it is going, but let's, let's keep it going even, even more. Um, and I do want to say, you college students, Empower is an amazing opportunity. Um, you, if you've had a college winter break before, you know that they are quite long, and you can get into kind of just some sluggardly habits over the winter break and get kind of sluggish, and it's a great time as, you, as towards the end of the break to come back together, gather together with about 100 college students from around Kansas and just get stirred up, build some great relationships. It's going to be out in the country with this, like, just 100 students out in the country, faith. It's going to be an incredible opportunity. So sign up today, and you'll, you'll be glad you did. We're talking, we're continuing our, our Christmas series, Manhattan's Messiah, today, and really looking at how the Christmas story is not just, you know, a fun story for 2,000 years ago, or Bethlehem, or just sort of like sentimental traditions, but that the Messiah who came to Israel 2,000 years ago is the Messiah of our world today, and he's the Messiah of Manhattan. He's the Messiah of everyone who would open up their heart to him and receive him. And last week we looked at the story of Joseph, um, and when, when the angel appeared to him and brought him in to be part of the story of, of the Messiah coming into the world, today we're looking at the story of Mary, who is, you know, the second most famous character in the Christmas story. And our, our theme, our title is As Close As It Gets. We're looking at how the encounter with God that, that Mary had is really as close as it gets. You know, that God came and literally, physically lived inside of her. But we're talking about how, really, it's not just about the story, like, oh, wow, Mary, how special was she? But this is a picture of the kind of relationship and transformation and encounter that God wants to bring to us as well. I, I remember when I was, I was 12 years old, I had an encounter with God. I had an encounter with the living God that was very powerful, very tangible, and it changed my life forever. And those of you that have had encounters with God know that that is true. When you encounter the living God, you're ruined for anything else. You're ruined for looking to something else. You, you realize, or you should be, because you realize, I remember that at my immediate like, thought as this was, after this happened was, okay, I know God is real, and nothing else matters nearly as much as this. Like, what, God is the ultimate, okay, what does he want? I had a sense of purpose and calling. And that's the thing that God wants to give each one of us as well. Um, so we're looking at Mary with this incredibly powerful God encounter. And out of this, she conceived the Messiah. She carried the Christ in her womb. She, she birthed. God, okay, I mean, this stuff just is mind-boggling. She birthed God, and then she nursed baby God, I mean, and she was, you know, raised God in the flesh. And this was the beginning of all that happening. And people, when they, when they think about this, and even religious 
leaders and theologians, they're, they try to like, they try to, to theologize and figure out what all was going on in the incarnation and God becoming a man and, and coming, being conceived inside a person. And people's brains just kind of explode. And they come up with all kinds of just really interesting conclusions about how, how did this happen and what was, what was going on. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit. But really just when you think about God, like the God of the universe coming that close to a person, you can't really comprehend it. It's, it's mind-boggling. And really, we want to, again, just think of, look, as we look at this story, I, yes, Mary is a great example for us. But she is not the central character of this story. It's more a story about God and how he relates to people than it is about this one particular person. Yes, you know, there's great stuff about her that we can learn from. But really, it's an example for, for us to experience very, the same type of reality. And in some ways, um, even just, just as great as what Mary experienced. So, um, we're going to look at the story. We're gonna, and how can, you know, the, the goal is that how can we experience Christ up close and personal, like Mary did? And how can we respond in a way that makes this possible? So, Luke 1. Chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, we read, in, those, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Let's pause for a second there. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. And we've, most of us have heard this before. We kind of just like move on, you know, brush past that. But I was thinking about this, like imagine this scene in the courts of heaven when God called Gabriel and said, hey, I need a, we need to have a meeting. And Gabriel came and God said, hey, it's time. The time, the time has come. And Gabriel's like, you mean the time? Like, the time? Like, really? I got the call? Like, you chose me for this, this, this assignment? Wow. Like, this, all of heaven. And we talked last week, like, the, the people of Israel, been, Israel had been waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah. Heaven had been waiting for the time. And here it was, and God has this conversation with Gabriel and gives him the assignment. And then Gabriel comes to bring this message that the Messiah, the time has come and the Messiah is coming to the earth. Nothing greater has ever happened. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. You know, it's interesting. It was the house of David. We talked last week about just the royalty that he was. You know, Jesus is the king, the king of the world. And the house of David was, was pointing to that, that he was the, the greatest king of Israel who had been promised that his descendant would be the Messiah. And so here's Joseph, who was a descendant of, of David, and Mary probably was too. Um, but it's interesting that they're this kingly line, but they're living in this small town in Nazareth, in this backwater part of Israel. And this kingly promise, I, I even wonder if, Gabe, if Gabriel, when God told him, hey, you're going to go to Galilee, Gabriel might have said, are you sure? Like, wait, that, I thought it was supposed to be the, the capital, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Jerusalem. Why, is it, why are we going to Nazareth? Because so often God brings 
things in places like Manhattan and the people that are more obscure like, like me and some of you. And it's just like we don't, you know, some of you are famous, I know, but most of us, we're like, what, me? But death, those, God comes to us and he brings this, the Messiah up close and personal, as close as it gets. And so, and I love this, verse 28. And Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You know, it's, it's interesting that you'd think that that's not so complicated to figure out. He's just saying, hey, God, his favor is with you. He's for you. But she was troubled by this saying. And I think we think of like, you know, she, she didn't, we think of Mary as just being so wonderful. Like, like, like how did Gabriel know where to go? Well, it was obvious because she was the one with the halo overhead, right? Like she was walking around and she was just, had a halo and she was perfect. And she was, so it was obvious. But no, she was a regular human being. You know, she's probably like, when she sees the angel, she has the reaction everyone does when they have encounters like this. She, was, she had the fear of God, and she realized she was very aware of her brokenness. She was probably like, oh my goodness, like I fought with my sister today, and here's God showing up. Or, you know, maybe my, my mind got carried away. I was thinking about the wedding night a little bit, and oh my goodness, here's God. I mean, she was like, shoot. And then God's saying, oh, you who are highly favored. It's just... It's, we, it, it didn't compute, and, and that's so much like us. I was at a, a meeting once, and it was a conference with a bunch of pastors and, and Christian leaders, and there was a guy there who really um, has probably the, the most uh, powerful, active gift of prophecy of anyone I've ever known. This is a guy, he just, he is a guy who hears God very clearly, very regularly, and he's had, has a ministry around the world going to churches and people, and he, and he prays for people, and God speaks to him, and then he, he talks to them about God's heart for them, and um, it's very powerful. And so it's this meeting, and he's up front talking, and he would just like call up different people, hey, I think God has a message for you, and bring them up, and then speak something to them, and it was very encouraging. The Bible says prophecy is the spirit of is encouragement, and prophecy builds people up. When we hear God's voice for us, it, it builds us up. And he was doing this for a couple people, and then he said, okay, is there someone here named Bob? And everyone sat there and did what you all are doing, nothing. Like, nobody, nobody raised their hand. He's like, oh, okay, I thought maybe there was a mess. I thought maybe God had a message for someone named Bob. Nobody responded. And so he kind of paused, and then he pointed his finger at the back row, and was like, okay, well, I think God's got something for you. Can you come forward? And he points to a man, and the guy comes up, and my Jim, the, my prophet friend, says, okay, well, what's your name? The guy says, Robert. <laughs> actually, very hesitantly, he's like, uh, Robert. <laughs> Bob, actually. <laughs> my name's Bob. And so he, he, it was him, but he was so, like, afraid of like, what's the message going to be for me that God has? Like, I don't want to deal with this. That he didn't, he didn't volunteer. But God, like, still pointed him out and had a very encouraging message for him. 
And so often that's how we are. Like we're like, oh man, I, I know I've messed up. But God, it's, the favor is not so much what we've earned, but it's what God extends to us because of his mercy. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now this is the whole essence of the gospel. The essence of how God comes to us is he extends his favor to us, not because of what we've done, but because of his favor and grace. He comes to us in our place of need. It's like how I became a Dolphins fan. It, yeah, I mean, I'm not that big of a Dolphins fan, but I, I, became, I chose the Dolphins when I was in kindergarten just because I liked the logo. It was like, man, that's a cute logo. I, I kind of like the Dolphins. And it wasn't, I didn't know anything about them. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have become a Dolphins fan, although they were actually better back then. But I was like, man, I just had favor towards the Dolphins. That's a cute, cute Dolphin. And so I became a Dolphins fan. And that's how it is with God. He's just like, you know, I'm not going to look at your win-loss record. I'm not going to look at how many years you've been living in futility. I just, I like you. I like you. I made you in my image, and I like you, and I'm choosing you. And from that place, we're going to do some good stuff in your life. But it's not that you have to do the good stuff for me to choose you. Greetings, you who are highly favored. So that same message, it comes to us. It comes to us wherever we're at. But she, I read that, was greatly troubled, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Hmm. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Like I said earlier, theologians have racked their brains, exploded their brains trying to figure this out. And like, how could a human being become the person who God came and lived inside? And because of this, whole theologies about Mary have developed in religious traditions. You've probably heard of the Immaculate Conception. And I, I thought for a long time, okay, yeah, that's how like, Jesus came, you know, God came to Mary and she conceived, and Jesus was immaculately conceived. But actually, that's, the Immaculate Conception is not the conception of Jesus. That's not the, the theology of the Immaculate Conception is the conception of Mary. Because religious traditions have said, well, Mary could not have been a sinner and had the infinite holy God of the universe come and live inside of her. That would be impossible. She must have been sinless. So in the Catholic and Orthodox traditions, Mary, the, the Immaculate Conception is the belief that Mary was conceived with, without a sin nature, and then that she went on and lived and never sinned. And then, you know, that also this belief that she was a perpetual virgin, that she never never had sexual relationships, which is kind of not what the Bible seems to indicate later on. But it's this people's, like, just brains, like, it's like, well, it has to be. Like, God is, is pure and holy. How could God come to a sinful person and physically be inside her? That seems impossible. 
I mean, they actually, the, the, some, many people thought, have taught that actually, well, Mary's parents, like, they didn't have rela- sexual relations either. That Mary was just a, <laughs> a th- you know, she came about by the miracle of God. And there's all, like, there have actually been, like, religious wars over these things. Because just the idea, the religious mentality is so strong that says, you have to be holy for God to come near you. And how could a holy God come that close to a person who was a sinner? And it kind of makes sense, but it's really an exercise in, in missing the whole point of the gospel, which is that God comes to sinners. God comes to imperfect people. God doesn't come to people who have it all together. He comes to people who need him. Thank God, right? That he comes to us. He comes to us. And it's so great that like when Jesus was walking around on the earth, before he came, there were all these rules that pointed out how we needed to be holy and how sin contaminated us so bad. And if you touched things that were considered unclean, you were unclean. And you had to go through these, these ritual acts to clean, cleanse yourself. But when Jesus walked around, it was flipped. And he would like, touch, he touched the woman who had this issue of blood and she was considered ceremonially unclean. But what happened? His cleanness, his, what was in him went out from him and touched her and she became clean and she became healed. It didn't go the other way around. It comes from him to us. Our sin does not contaminate God. Your sin does not contaminate God. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but I'm saying it's his presence that comes to us and changes us and transforms us from the inside out. And that's what the gospel's all about. His presence makes the, the unclean clean. In, in Romans 5, verse 6, we're told that for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still weak. Thank God. Because I'm, st- I'm always going to be weak, I'm pretty sure. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who'd he die for? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Back to the story. Verse 32. The angel's talking to Mary, and he says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So this Messiah who comes, he is a king. He's the king. He reigns over his kingdom. And his kingdom goes on forever and ever and ever. There, there is no end. Um... It's interesting, though, to me that it, it says he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. That's Jacob was, Israel is another name for Jacob. So this is the, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And you know, we believe as Christians that later on in the New Testament, we're told that the people who believe in Jesus are the Israel of God. Like this is not just for the national Israel, for the Jewish people, but it's extended to all people who would believe in Jesus. But, it's, but there is a... There is a throne oh, with a certain domain. Sorry, my Bible's falling apart here. 
There is a, he will reign over the house of Jacob. And that caught my eye because he didn't say he'll reign over the whole earth. He does reign over the whole earth. But here it says he will reign over the house of Jacob. And it's important to see because there is the, the kingdom of God comes with Jesus and he invites us into his kingdom. He reigns over his kingdom. But there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And his reign is in a more real sense or more experiential. The, the benefits of his kingdom are only for the people that are in his kingdom. And then those that are not in, there is, there is another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And the benefits of his messiahship, his peace and joy and life and purpose, are not for us who are not in his kingdom. And so it behooves us to figure out which kingdom am I in. That he comes to us wherever we're at, but we, we, there is a response required on our part to enter into his kingdom and to receive that. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? This is impossible. How in the wow, you just say I'm going to have a baby. But I'm, I'm a virgin. This is how, how will this be, since I'm a virgin? Um, you know, she, but the great thing is she's, she's, she's asking God, Hey, how, are you gonna, how, can, how will this be? What are you going to do? How are you going to bring this about? And I, I'm not sure how much she got, but I suspect she, she, there, was a, there was some faith brewing in her already. That, okay, this seems impossible, but how are you going to do it? Uh, you can do it, because God, God can do it. And no, just as it was impossible for this to happen with Mary, it's just as impossible for us to have the Messiah come into our life up close and personal. It's just as impossible for us to be born again. It's just as impossible for us to carry the Messiah as it was for Mary. It's no less of a miracle. It's not something we can do ourselves, but it's something that only God can do by his grace and by his power. And that's, that's the answer. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. So it's not what you do, it's what God does. It's not, you don't have to make this happen, but just, God's going to do it. He's going to come into your life. He's going to overshadow you. He's going to overpower you. And He's going to do something that you can't do yourself. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Man, it's so great. That's how what God does in our life. We can, you know, look at our life, and I feel this way most days, that, man, there's a lot of, there's situations in front of me. This is impossible. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I have the ability to do what I think, what your word says that you want to do in my life. This is impossible. But God, it comes to that place of God, am I gonna, are you able to do it? Are you going to do what you promised to do in my life? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I love this response of Mary. She's just, 
she said, okay, I trust that you can do it. There's just one thing left for me to do, that's to say yes. I say yes to you. I say yes to God. What you want to do in my life, I say yes to it. It seems impossible. It's too tough for me. I don't know how that could happen. I've tried. I haven't even been able to be good, let alone carry God, let alone be up close and personal with God. But, God, you said it. I say yes to that. Let it be to me, not according to my ability, not according to my morality. Let it be to me according to your word. And that's what God invites us into, too. And that's our best response to him, is to say, God, whatever you're saying to me, whatever you want to do in my life, it's difficult. I've, I've tried to break these habits. I've tried to be bold. I've tried to not be such a jerk around people. I've, I've tried to make a difference with my life. I, I can't do it. But Lord, let it be according to your word. Because you're the one who says it can happen. And when we say that, God answers. He comes through and he shows up up close and personal in our life. Um, so really, you know, it's not just about Mary. It's, it's what God invites us into. I love this one more scripture, Colossians 1, 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles, that's all the people who seem to be far away from, from God, how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's our hope of living a glorious life? It's Christ coming and living in us. And that is just as miraculous as the virgin birth. I'm not joking. It really is. Like, for Christ to come in us, is, it is a miracle of God. And it is what God does to us as we, as we trust him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So, I've got three questions for you. One, do you believe that God is extending his favor to you? Right now, December 11th, 2022, do you believe that God looks at you and goes, Hey, you are highly favored. I like you. I'm extending my favor to you right now. Do you believe that God's extending his favor to you? Do you believe that he has made a way through Jesus to take away your sins and for his favor to come to you and for you to live as close as, as it can be in your relationship with him? Do you believe God's extending his favor to you? Um, second question, have you ever said yes to the Messiah coming into your life? Have you said yes to, like Mary did, may it be done to me according to your word. And I receive the Messiah coming into me. That's a, a place we, we each have to come to of saying yes for that to happen. And then it's a place of, of saying yes. Today, all right, Messiah, live in my life today. I'm trusting you and I'm living, I'm looking to you to be the one living for my life. And then the third question is, Will you say yes to carrying the Messiah, carrying the Christ in your life? Mary was willing to, to carry the Messiah into the world. And it's a picture of how Christ is in us as believers. And there's a call then to bring him into the world. That he comes where we go. And we have 
the, the privilege and the calling of bringing his presence to the people around us and to the, to the world around us. I think, you know, no, I've had a couple conversations with people about the challenges of Christmas time and some like relational difficulties and situations and feelings that come up. And it's the opportunity to receive Christ in those places and then say yes to, okay, God, I'm going to believe that you, I can carry you and you can come with me. And, and I'm going to bring your presence that other people can experience him too as they go into those places. So may we, may we experience that. I, you know, we have the, the incredible opportunity to, to live like Mary did. And it's not easy. I, next week, Jesse's going to talk about <coughs> um, the couple prophecies that were given over, over the Messiah and Mary and Joseph, too. And one of the lines in that, it, they, the, the prophet who spoke to her said, hey, and, and spoke to Mary, said, a sword will pierce your heart also. There's, there was great joy that comes from, from carrying Christ and having him, him in our life. And there's also sorrow. There's also difficulty. There's also the fellowship of his sufferings that we come into. But it's with him. And it's this invitation to come into what he has for us and then to bring that into the world. Um, so worship team, why don't you come on up? We're going to worship with one more song. As you do that, I'm going to pray for us. Um, you know, if this morning God's just putting something on your heart, like, you know, I, I know I need to say yes to, to the Messiah. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's a certain part of my life. Maybe it's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's to have His grace for a certain thing I'm facing. I encourage you to not only say yes to Him, but uh, there are people here that would be happy to talk with you, to pray with you for that. I'd be happy to talk to you. Other people would be happy to talk to you. You can talk to someone at our Welcome Center. Um, you can fill out a Connect card and see what that is. Someone will talk to you. Um, but God wants to come into our lives and, and, and in a very tangible way. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you come to us. Lord, thank you that you, you get as close as, closer than we can imagine. Lord, I know I'm in a room with people who are saying yes to you and want to say yes to you. Lord, would you come right now and just breathe life into places of our hearts where we've been discouraged, where we've been condemned, where we've seen ourselves less than you see us. Lord, I pray where there are where there are areas of our life where it's not been under your kingdom, under your lordship. We, Lord, thank you for the grace, and Lord, thank you for leading us into saying yes to you in those places as well. Lord, I pray that you would take us to new places of knowing you, new places of hearing your voice, new places of knowing your favor, Great, greater percentages of our life of believing your favor, and smaller percentages 
of listening to condemnation. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I pray for opportunities this week and the month ahead to, to carry you to our family, to carry you to our neighbors, to carry you to our friends, to bring your presence to the world around us. I trust you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.